Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255. Well, that was a pretty mild winter. Wow, nice to be out of that, huh? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> On to the spring already. It's beautiful out there. Wow, what a spectacular day. Mr. Rushforth is here. We missed you last week. Yep, I know. Adora filled in for me and did a great job. I listened to the show. You guys did amazing. And uh, I think Mr. Pa- Mr. Napolitano is with us. Are you, Frank? I'm here. And where do we find you today? It is wonderful. No, it's not that one. It's nice. Listen, I'm in Costa Rica where it's oh, uh, shut up. Oh, raining, geez. but it, raining right now. Raining. Uh, it's beautiful here. What are you doing in Costa Rica? Are you, are you, you do you go that far to service mortgages? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we're here for conference. There's a number of my, uh, some of the brokers that are attending, uh, arriving tomorrow. We got here while well, we were supposed to get here on Thursday, unfortunately, uh, what a lot of people have experienced, the uh, delays at the airports, we got caught up in that, spending all of 21 hours in either the airport in Ottawa, Toronto, or Montreal on Thursday and got here yesterday, finally. The so. the American airports are so much better than the Canadian airports. It's Not this weekend. Yeah, right. I know. But you know what? Two things never change. Frank doesn't see the snow in the winter, and I buy breakfast again. Just two things never change. Listen, Paul, buying yourself breakfast is not buying breakfast. No, I got Greg here, of course, with me and yeah, Steve, you yeah, know. Yeah, and, and we have your bagel here. But uh, yeah, it's going sitting back. here. I didn't know you were away, <laughs> so you, I got a sandwich here for you and a, and a coffee, but we just have to give that away. Your memory's not that good. Your memory's not that good. I recall telling you I was going to be away. So. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> well, what are you going to learn well, in you. Costa Rica, do you think, Frank? What are you guys talking about? You're talking about the fact that uh, people are hitting their trigger rates these days? Well, that's a big topic, obviously, on news media. Um, you know, the brokers that are coming down, as well as a lender that's, uh, uh, that's part of this trip, uh, we'll have a lot of conversations as to what we can see moving forward and what changes we hope that OSCE and our Bank of Canada and just generally our government can make to assist young Canadians to at least have a dream of home ownership because that dream is whittling away every time Bank of Canada raises rates. And again, this week... He hinted at the fact that there might be some more severe rates, uh, even though a lot of economists think that that would be a huge mistake for him to do. It just seems to me that, you know, first-time homebuyers and, you know, the possibility of them getting a home is so far on the back burner with the government right now. They just want to clear these. Which, which, yeah, which is frustrating yeah. because it's such a great time to get into the market right now. We're seeing such a slide in prices and certain product in certain areas sometimes are... Um, Fifty to a hundred thousand under under where they were, you know, just six months ago. So it's a great opportunity to get into the market. And I'm telling people, and I've been telling people now for probably the last month to two months, if you can stomach the rates, it's disappointing to hear that they possibly will go up again. Because if you can stomach the rates, get into the market. You're, you're, we're finding. I mean, there's some townhouses now in suburbia that are in the fives that used to be in the sevens. So wow, yeah. So you know, where the buyers for the last. I would say 18 months to two years, it has been very, very unfair for buyers. Very unfair and very frustrating. You know, some of my agents that work predominantly with buyers have been very frustrated over the last two years. And the listings have all been just killer. Like they've been, they've been hitting home runs. And right now the buyers in, in some areas and some product have the power. And it's, uh, if you can stomach those rates and w- until they come down, I would get in the market as soon as possible because what's going to happen is if you would have told me last December and November that you know you're going to hold on to see what was happening. By the time January, February hit, you were you missed the boat. You were it, the market had already gone insane from there. I feel like we're getting close to that point again. 
where now maybe not into into twenty twenty three, but I think maybe into the latter part of twenty twenty three. But I think if you're not buying in the next six months, you're making a big mistake because I think the market will take off. And I think what we saw at the start of twenty twenty two will be child's play compared to what we're going to see in twenty twenty three at the end and twenty twenty four. My prediction, but keep in mind. I don't have a crystal ball, and no one's predicted what's gone on in this market. It's yeah, but one thing we've learned is things can change so fast. I mean, just in March, Frank, what were rates in March? Uh, lo- uh, high twos, low threes. Yeah, like, like that's, that. that's, not even, that's not even a year. Double. Yeah, yeah. Double. Oh, we're, we're, we're only at five on a high racial purchase. We're at 504, 509. On a traditional conventional mortgage, most customers that are with banks – are getting quoted somewhere anywhere between five and three quarters to six percent for a five-year fix. Whoa! Wow! So we've hit the so six again. Huh? They've doubled. They pretty well doubled in a short eight-month period. And uh, now, bond markets have softened over the last couple of weeks. So that's the good news. So the bond market, despite the fact that Tiff Macklem came out and said that there could be some more increases, uh, you know, I think the bond market is looking at the economy and the damage that's being done to the economy. And reacting that way. So we've seen the inversion happen where the one-year bond is, is higher than the five-year. Hence why some clients come to us and say, maybe I'll just take a one or two-year. And then you quote them what the rate is. And it's like, well, wait a second. That doesn't seem right. And it's because we're in an inverted bond yield right now. Which means that a recession is forthcoming. 100% of the times that we've seen the inverted bond yield, we've seen a recession. So... Uh, a recession is forthcoming. The question is, how deep is it going to be? How severe? How many jobs are going to be impacted? Because the job market, as we both, all three of us know, has been fairly healthy. Now, you have to look deeper into the job market and see that really the good jobs are there. And the people or the, the industry that's suffering the most is the service industry, the lower paying jobs. So, you know, we, we all go to restaurants and coffee shops and everything else, and they're all tight for staff right now, and that's continuing, unfortunately. Yeah, I went to I actually went to order some sushi last night, and the restaurant closed, and on their website it was, we don't have staff, we can't work. Yeah, I couldn't work that night. Yeah, you couldn't work that <laughs> night, yeah. Well, I, I even went for lunch with my girlfriend a, a little while ago, and it basically said that the store, which was or the restaurant, which is a pretty popular restaurant, said, take out only, we don't have the staff to service you. I just can't fathom this because you remember when you were a kid, you'd be that first job, you would do anything. Yeah, well, keep in mind what they're paying for that first job, too. I mean, if you find something that, like it's 16, 17 bucks an hour minimum right now, minimum wage is 15, 50. Yeah. And there's, there's, I mean, you go work at McDonald's for 17, 18 bucks an hour. Like, that's a great wage. But the problem being is people jumped on that Serb train. And after that Serb train was over, some of them were making more on Serb and unemployment than they are actually working so they're like you know what if i can sit at home and do nothing and make just as much as i, I but would don't they still have to save money to buy that first house yeah, yeah well they won't be doing that but yeah so it's 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 right now th- those are the jobs that are really suffering right now and frank's right like you know the, the middle of the road the higher end jobs have always been stable even through through the pandemic they've been very stable it's, it's more the service industry the restaurant industry uh the uh, hotel industry sorry those ones were the ones that were crushed mainly through uh through covid Frank, do you think we'll see any relief for first-time homebuyers before interest rates come down again? Relief from a standpoint of programs? Programs, a little help, a little incentive, you know. Well, that new tax-free home ownership savings account is coming into effect in January. But again, But that's not going to affect the market for two years. No, and how good is that program for people that are struggling to save money today because inflation's at record levels? So. You know, people still have to have the money to be able to put in that account to benefit from it. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's 
that's nothing new. I mean, we'd love to see the government increase the amortizations, and I think it's it's out there whether they will do it or not. You know, unlikely, but I think it's out there. And the other part I think is that you know that fabled first-time homebuyer incentive program. If they can tweak that a little bit, get rid of the ownership that the government has, and maybe make it a little bit more accessible now that the interest rates have gone up as well as the, uh, you know, the house values have gone up. If they could tweak that a little bit, I think that that would generate. But if we don't have an election for another three years, we all know we've been around long enough to know that these are things that they would do just before an election to try yeah. to get votes. Yeah, so yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. I think they're just so worried about the economy, they don't have a stomach to help out right now. Well, the, I mean, well, you wouldn't know it by listening to them, right? I mean, I mean, they act like there's nothing going on. Like, you listen to politicians, and most of them aren't even reacting to what's going on out there in the world. And, you know, because Doesn't again, affect they're not. <laughs> but you're right. I, I mean, without saying it out loud, you're right, Paul. That's exactly yep. what it is. I mean, they're well off. So it hasn't impacted them that the gas has gone up the way it has, that food has gone up the way it is, because they're, they're better off and they don't feel the impact the way most Canadians do. What's the general mood now these days, Paul, of people looking for homes? Well, you know, there's a little bit more optimism out there than there was. I mean, I know people are frustrated because they know, you know, the rates are, are going through the roof. But if you do the math on it, compared to where the house prices were and the rates were, and where the house prices are now and where they're going compared to what the rates are now, it's still a good time to get in that market. I mean, your your payment hasn't increased that much more getting into the market right now. So there's there's optimism out there. I know we went through a period of probably the last two to three months where there was a lot of doom and gloom uh, and even reports like I'm reading, I'm getting reports sent to me every day about the doom and gloom of the market and you know, what's going on. First time home buyers are headlines, right? first time home buyers are screwed. They're in trouble, this and that. And I like to look at the other side and look at the opportunity. And I think right now, if you're a first time home buyer and you can get in the market, get in now, don't wait. There's too many people that are sitting on the sidelines. Well, I told you the story about that lady that was looking to buy with us in 2016, but she didn't want to pay that $310,000 for that townhouse. 2017, she said, I'll wait till it drops again. 2018, I think the market's going to tumble. I'll wait again. 2019, I think I'm ready to buy. No, I'm going to take myself out of the market. She bought that same townhome in 2021 with us for $685,000, the same one she would have got for $310,000 four years, five years earlier. So, don't make that mistake. And I know... But not only did she pay more, she's out all that equity. She's out all that equity. You're right. So, and I, when I say that our market has gone down and up really quickly, like almost overnight, like there's times where, you know, I, we, we go to bed on a Friday night and we wake up Monday morning and the market's different. The market's completely different. And I'm here to tell you that I'd say you got about six months. And after that six months, I think the market is going to go crazy. Uh, you know, and we've talked about it before. Our largest cohort, the the millennials, are in their prime buying years waiting to scoop up a property. And I know the inventory is starting to rise, but we are way below where we need to be uh, in order to um, facilitate all those just millennials alone. So, you know, once the rates start to come down, millennials get themselves back in the market, it's it's going to go bonkers. I don't want you to get caught with your, excuse the term, with your pants down. Like, get in the market sooner than later, stomach those rates, and, and, and buy something because you're getting something in a good deal right now. And on the other side of that coin, should you be listing sooner than later? Because the more listings that come on the market, obviously, the more difficult it is to sell your house. So I, I listened to the show last week and I was listening to Dora talk about, you know, is it time to get on the market and blah, blah, blah. And she was mentioning, you know, if you have to get on the market, then you know, let's get on the market. If you're someone who doesn't want to 
uh, have people through your house over the Christmas period, then I say don't get on the market. Wait till you know early January. But um, get ready though. Right? But get ready. Get us in the door because there's a lot of times that we can give you some little tips and some tricks in order to to increase the value of your home without spending a lot of money. So get us in the door early. <clears throat> And we'll tell you what you need to do. At the same time, I got my wonderful photographer here with me. Um, if we still, like, there's green grass out there right now. So if we can get your pictures before the snow flies, that's a bonus too, right? So um, there's so many things you can do to get ready right now, even if you're listing. I'm working with a client from overseas right now that's looking to list in February. And I'm on the phone with them pretty much every week. They're overseas, so we're strategizing. We're going through different marketing techniques, uh, helping them get their house ready for sale. Because by the time that February market rolls around, boom, we're in our spring market. And realistically, January 15th is our spring market. And people laugh when I say, oh, we're in our spring market. It's the snow's on the ground. I'm like, trust me, we're in our spring market. And you better be ready to go. You have to be ready to go. Because come April, you might be too late, right? So get it ready. All right, we'll be right back. 521-TALK, 521-8255. If you're keeping score so far, it's a one-year right to Paul from Frank. It's a one-year what? You're right. Oh. Frank gave you a you're right, Paul. Wow, so, one nothing so it's for one, me. It's yes. one nothing right now. Well, I bought breakfast, so I am right, so two nothing. <laughs> we'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back with Paul Rushforth and Frank DiPolitano. Hey, Paul, by the way, I was watching uh, the Canadians play soccer. They play again tomorrow, but... They played an incredible game against Belgium. Frank, I, I, did, I missed the score. How did Italy do this year? Oh. <laughs> uh, very funny. Frank, how I'm could you? Canadian, your, by the way. Frank, how could your country not make it? Uh, it's fixed. Yeah, it's fixed. It's, it's fixed. fixed. I probably just made every Italian in Ottawa mad right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't expect any call from Italian. <laughs> 521 talk, 521-8255. To the phone we go, say hello to Leanne in Riverside South. Hi, Leanne. Hello. Nice crack about the Italians there. <laughs> Am I in trouble, Leanne? Uh, no, my husband's Italian too. <laughs> we just like we just like we just like to rib Frank so much about it. <laughs> so I had a question about the townhouses. I've called before. I listen to you guys all the time. I just I, I don't know what to do. He wants me to sell the townhouse in Blossom Park. And I've got like all this sentiment attached to it. But like I'm looking at the markets and I'm seeing a lot of town, like rural townhouses, like 400,000, 450,000. Like, is that, is that genuine? Like, or no, you, the market was bad. What, what area in? Sorry, I missed that. Blossom Park. Blossom Park. Yeah, no, the, the market's not bad. We're just, we don't have a large buyer pool right now. That's the biggest problem. But that's why I'm telling buyers to buy because it's a really good time to buy. Um, but no, we're, we're, we're the townhouse market is a little depressed. But keep in mind, our townhouse market here in Ottawa went through the roof. Uh, probably faster than any other market. So you have accumulated a lot of equity, uh, but we are seeing a little bit of a, a little bit of a slowdown in the townhouse market throughout the city. To be ob- to be honest with you, majority suburbia, but throughout the city, we're seeing a little bit of depressed townhouse market for sure. Is this an investment property for you, Leanne? Yeah, yeah, I've got tenants in there, but she's only paying like seventeen hundred bucks a month, and of course that makes my husband crazy because. You know, a house, an apartment is a nineteen hundred bucks for a one bedroom. So, well, you know what, you're, Leanne, it's a you're four bedroom townhouse. You know, yeah, you're, 
you're not alone. I, I have a townhouse too. I have two townhouses actually that are way under rented because the rental market just went crazy. And you know, yeah. if you're, if you're a tenant and you're in one of those townhomes that are, you're way under rented, you don't want to move out. So that tenant's yeah. not going anywhere. Now that would you, be a tough sell to another investor though, right? It's a tough sell to another investor, but if your tenant is on uh, month to month, you can, she is. Yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. So you can sell it and give her the two months notice. Uh, I mean, you can't sell it to, um, I mean, you can sell it right now, give her the two month notice and, and someone can move into that property for sure. The one thing you can't do though is kick her out. And All right, Mr. Doorman, Mr. Doorman, Mr. Doorman do you keep doors or do you sell doors? Well, now? I don't like to hear, I don't like, so if anyone, if, if, if you don't have an appetite to be a landlord, then I say it's maybe time to sell a door. But if you have an appetite to be a landlord, I would encourage you not to sell the door. Uh, you know, the more doors you have, the, the you know, the better chance of accumulating wealth. But I don't know your personal situation. Maybe your personal situation oh, is... Well, you- we had, like, there was one couple in there. They had, like, a, they had a farm of dogs in there. And then we had, like, we had just nightmares and nightmares. So, like, so, she's a good tenant, but, like, my husband wants to sell. So, okay. so but, like, this- is now a good time? Or should we wait? You just something about January, Paul. Like, what, what do you think? Well, because it's an investment property, the only thing you have to worry about is your tenant's cooperation. And that's where sometimes it's a bit of a struggle is where your tenant doesn't want to cooperate with you because maybe it's Christmas time. So they, yeah. they really, you know, they'll cancel showings on you. They won't. And, and if this tenant doesn't want to leave, truthfully, it's going to be a tough sell because when people yeah. go to show the property, she's probably not going to cooperate you with the cleanliness, the condition of the home, all that kind of stuff. So it's always a tougher sell with a tenant in it, but... You know, there's things that we can do to help you uh, navigate selling that townhome with that tenant in it. And that's something we can definitely discuss and, and, and show oh, you. Are, are we talking cement shoes, Frank? Or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frank doesn't know what you're talking about when you refer to that. I have no idea what you're talking about. Thanks, Leanne. Okay, have a good day, Thanks, Leanne. Is Bye. it easier if you have an investment property to give notice to the people and then once they're out, put it up for sale? Well, it's always easier to sell a property without... And how long uh, without, would that take? Well, you know, if you're, if you're if they're on month to month, and you, first of all, the easiest thing you do is you just tell your tenant, by the way, I am going to be selling the property. I'm giving you the warning to go find another property. So they'll probably leave anyways because they know that you are going to sell that property. The problem being is she's got a tenant in there, a four-bedroom townhouse, paying $1,700. This tenant is not going to want to leave. Now, there's a slight chance, slight chance, someone will pick that up as an investment property, but at $1,700, they're definitely underwater, so it might not be a, a solid investment, but you never know. Someone might buy it for an investment property, but, you know. Could you offer an incentive to get You them could. Up? You could. I've, I've heard of that a lot. You could offer them, like, listen, we'll, uh, you know, we'll pay your first month's rent at the new place, or, we'll, we'll you know, we'll pay you a whatever yeah. two, two months rent to leave um and some people will but you know when we see that the average rents now are through the roof and you know a four-bedroom townhome should be in the 25 to 20 well anywhere from the 24 to 26 range and she's paying 1700 she's not going to want to leave the other option is ask your tenant if they like to buy the property you know give them maybe a, a, a little bit of a haircut a little bit of a discount mm-hmm. to buy the property so there's lots of options the problem being if you're not working with a realtor that knows how to navigate the tenant situation it can be a nightmare it really can that's why you need someone who knows how to deal with tenants frank we touched on this a little bit earlier trigger rate explain to us what a trigger rate is well a trigger rate is basically uh for lenders and there's only a handful of them so not every lender for most people that have been in variable rate mortgages they'll notice that over the last six or seven months this prime rate has changed they've gotten uh notifications from their lender indicating that their payments have changed with them so uh, and that happens both ways. When the prime rate goes up, 
your payment goes up, obviously. And, you know, most of them would have gotten those same notifications back in March of 2020 and April of 2020 when prime rate was coming down. They would have gotten the same thing. So uh, but there are some lenders out there that did not change the payments. So they have basically set payments when you take a variable rate mortgage from the time that you close uh, until you hit that trigger rate. So what a trigger rate is, is at the point where there's no interest being paid. So that's a problem because uh, the bank obviously wants to get paid back. So once you hit that trigger rate, what happens is it generates, uh, uh, again, a notification to the client saying, here's your options. One of the options is you can pay down uh, the amount that you would have paid to keep your amortization the way it is, or they'll increase the payment to what the payments are now. So that's a significant increase, very similar to what uh, variable uh, clients got over the seven or eight month period, except for they got to see it gradually go up, or in this case, it's going up all in one shot. So according to the Bank of Canada, 50% of variable rate mortgage holders now with fixed payments have hit that trigger rate, and they figure it's going to go to 60% by mid-next year. Uh, and those are customers, again, with that select group of lenders that have uh, that that option in there for their variable rate mortgages. So most of the non-bank lenders are not fixed payments. So if you worked with a mortgage broker, the likelihood is that uh, unless your mortgage was with TD or Manulife, so on the broker channel, basically TD or Manulife, that, that has those set payments. Everyone else has payments that will fluctuate based on what Prime does on a month-to-month basis. And for somebody going into a variable rate mortgage, would you ever recommend those fixed payments or not? Well, again, I mean, the question is, are we at the peak or not? Uh, Are they uh, vulnerable to increases? And if they are, but they still want a variable? No, no, I mean, be in a variable, but make sure that if the the rates go up, what you're paying goes up as well. Well, You know know what I mean? Yeah. You know what? I think we took it for granted that that clients understood that that would happen anyway. But, you know, in the end of the day, we should have been more again. None of us saw prime going up as, as significant as it has over the last since the first one in March or April. So, you know, we're all caught off guard on this and we're and we're learning as we go. Now, I think moving forward, uh, we're going to be a little more diligent at explaining, you know, the peaks. Uh, what happens with with variable rate mortgages, you know, depending on whether they go up or down and let the client decide what they're most comfortable with. For yeah. some clients, they will want to go with a lender that might have the payment set. So, But the chance of hitting trigger rates, like if somebody took a variable with TD today, the chance of that one hitting a variable, uh, the tr- trigger rate is, boy, if, if we go up that much, then our economy is really in trouble. Then, you know, because it's Think about it. I mean, it's gone up three and a half percentage points, and that's when we're hitting the trigger rate. That's yeah, a significant true enough. Increase. So, Frank, Time before rate. before we go to the break, it's it's ten thirty over there. So, is your your conference day air quotes um, over for the day? Uh, no, no, I've got uh, I've got a meeting at twelve thirty actually <laughs> at the Japanese restaurant at the Japanese <laughs> restaurant, <laughs> and then the pool after that, right? Uh, yeah, the, there's a couple of uh, potential clients there, <laughs> and then and then maybe watching Italy on TV. <laughs> uh, <laughs> five two one talk five two one eight two five five. We'll be back with Maureen, Marty, and more of your calls after this. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk five eighty CFRA. Welcome back with Paul Rushforth and Frank Napolitano. Let's go to the phone. Say hello to Maureen in Ottawa. Hello, Maureen. 
Hello. Are you curious what the weather's like in Costa Rica, by the way? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I uh, would love to go to but, co- Costa Rica. So, but that's speaking um, true there. It's getting nice. <laughs> <laughs> my, husband, my husband, Rob, and I, um, we've invested into a couple of townhomes uh, pre-pandemic. And we got our mortgages uh, from the wonderful and supportive Frank Napolitano. Um, And I just wanted to say for the previous uh, female caller, you know, whether to sell or to keep a townhome, I think that it's really important to balance the financial and non-financial drivers. And there are a lot of um, non-financial reasons, you know, to, to keep your investments and to watch them, you know, build and grow your wealth. And I think that improving the quality um, of someone's life by providing an opportunity for them to rent a home from you. And, you know, if you're a good landlord, um, you know, and it sounds like she has a good tenant, then, you know, you're giving really um, a safe place, a good place for someone to, to live and to be and, you know, grow with family and friends. And, a diversified portfolio also is a strong driver of growth in, you know, all of your like financial and economical ways of living and, you know, and working towards whether it's, you know, retirement or, you know, whether it's your next investment. And Uh, so I just wanted to add that and say that I think she, you know, could create the conditions to build greater wealth if she kept the town home. Um, Maureen, I love what you're saying, by the way. I think it's you're absolutely right. Um, everything you said there, I 100% agree with. And like I said, I hate seeing people lose doors. Um, but and you're right, not just financially, but she is providing a, a house for somebody else. And we know right now that it's a struggle for first-time homebuyers to get into the market. They need somewhere to live, and they have to go to the rental market. So you're 100% mm-hmm. agree with you. Welcome to the Maureen Show. Yes. <laughs> I, Maureen, you win the award for the, oh, no, she's a way too nice a person. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Maureen, fine. by the way, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> it's Maureen, easy to be nice. I believe... It's, uh, it's work to be kind to others and, you know, to, to rent out your home and to trust someone to take care of it yeah. um, when, you know, we know things can go awry. Like she also mentioned, she had previous tenants. So, you know, basically, um, you know, what's the money bringing you if it, you know, if you sell it and you, you bank that? Um, can you increase your, you know, your portfolio of, of wealth and you know, how are you going to distribute it later? Um, yep. Because we can amass what we want, right? Absolutely. Frank, you were going to say? Well, Maureen, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Maureen, if it's okay, I can say where you've previously been employed. So you are a, a giver of all givers. And uh, again, <laughs> where you've worked is, uh, goes a long way. Paul, Canadian Blood Services, I believe, right, uh, Maureen? Yeah, I worked at Canadian Blood Services. Now now I'm happy to say I'm at Natural Resources Canada. Excellent. And, um, Humans are natural resources, too. So well, you're talking to three of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> great. Thanks for the call, Maureen. Thank you. Awesome. Have a great Thank day, you, everyone. Awesome, Maureen. That was, uh, that was a great call. Yeah. And I 100% agree with her. You know, like it's, it's a win-win for both, right? So I agree with Maureen. And, and you're right. And you forget about that other aspect, you, too, you where re- you're actually helping somebody out. You really do. And I, like I can look at all the townhomes that I have right now that are rented to really good people that need me and... I'm a really, really good landlord because I want a really, really good tenant. And if you treat them that way, you will get a good tenant. If you treat them like a slumlord, you're going to get a slum, right? So very important. Hey, I've got friends. I've got friends that have had the same tenants in there 
for 10, 12, 15 years, barely touched their rent. But he, you know, they both say that the tenant looks after the house like it's their own. In essence, they paid for that house for me anyway. So why do I want to make a couple of extra hundred bucks? Why do I want to give up that house, get somebody else in there who might be a problem? Especially when you look at the equity you've just made in the last year and a half. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with Frank. Like, I've never increased my rents until this year, and I only did it on two of my townhomes only because they were probably 800 under rented. So, and you wanted to increase it. You're allowed to go up. I think it was 1.2% this year. So I think I went up like $27. So, I mean, it's, it was nothing really to them, but I still have to keep increasing those rents because, you know, those rents help build what you're going to sell it for too. Right. As long as we go, let's go to beautiful downtown Medcalf. Say hello to Marty. Hello, Marty. Yes. uh, I read we're an apartment building that was built after a certain date in 2018 are exempt from the provincial guidelines for the rent increase. You are correct. Like what? What is the reasoning for that? Uh, they just that, they just made that change. So yeah, there's no rent control on anything built after that time. Wait, but he's right. Like, what is the reason for that? I mean, it's well, I guess nobody was going to build apartments. Yeah, that. true, true. Yeah, and that might that might be why that c- could be very very true. All right, to be honest with you, Marty, I can't. I don't really know the right answer to that. To be honest with you, yeah. Because that only applied to, uh, like, say the building was built in 2018 and I was the first tenant in. Now I'm kicked out and they're going to raise the rent or tell me i got to pay another three or 400 a month. Now, does that rule also apply to the second tenant going in? They can raise it whatever they want on the second tenant. And they can raise it whatever they want year to year. Well, but that, that doesn't seem right. I mean... The province has the guidelines, and all of a sudden, if you build 2018 after... Yeah. Well, some people's rent has increased 5% or more this year. But the, but the guideline for 2018 is 2.5%. Yeah, but there is no guideline for or those buildings. 2023, I mean. There is no guideline for those buildings. Well, I guess that's my question. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's it's tough for the for the tenant. That's yeah. for sure. It's really yeah. tough. And but like we go back to the call before, if you get a good tenant, you don't have to be brutal to them, right? Like you could, you don't. Yes, you, your the guideline does say that you can raise it, but you know if you have a good tenant, maybe you don't raise it. Yeah. yeah but 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 why would the province have? They can regulate all the rents up to that point if you build at twenty eighteen and after. Yeah, you'd have but to ask the province that question. It. Yeah, it's, you're you're right, uh, Marty. It's Marty, right? Yep. You're right, Marty. It, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. But I mean, I didn't make the rules, and you know, I don't have the explanation to be honest with you. We okay. didn't start okay. the fire. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Marty. But you're absolutely right, Marty. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. It is. It is tough, though. It is tough if you're because I mean, obviously he's you know someone who's potentially at retirement age, and yeah. you're, they're jacking up the rents on him, and it's that's tough. And that's happened a lot to people of retirement age because they're the ones who have downsized, and yep. some have decided to rent. Yeah. And if you rent into a newer building, yeah, then you could be three, four, five, six percent, yeah, up a year, you know. And keep in mind the rents are already high. Right. And it's it's hard. What's my biggest struggle thing with biggest struggle, sorry, with the rates going the way they are, it's forcing a lot of people to turn into renters. With the way the rents are right now, once you get into that rental game, it's hard to get out of that rental game. I mean, if you're paying, you know, twenty five, twenty six hundred a month, plus heat, plus hydro, plus cable, plus this, plus that, you know, you could be thirty five, almost four grand a month in, in just in rent and bills and and all the the stuff that goes with it. How do you ever save to get into the buying game? Which is double what people were paying for mortgages <clears throat> in the 2000s, right, Frank? In the More than double. 
more than double for sure. Yeah. So uh, again, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I, everybody's got their own circumstances and really, really, it, it, it's a difficult time right now. It just is. So 2010, for, the average mortgage young. was about how much, Frank, would you say? Probably uh, mid to high twos, maybe. And today, yeah. are we at five now? Well, again, if you look at Ottawa, we're between four, I would say between 450 and 500 today. Average mortgage. That being said, yeah, that being said, I mean, you have to differentiate between a purchase and, um, you know, a, a renewing mortgage because anybody who bought a house five years ago, what was the average price of real estate five years ago, Paul? Maybe four, uh, five, yeah. five, like in 2016? 26, about, about, yeah. about 2016, 2017, 2016, the average sale price was 371 and now in 2017, it was 392, wow. you know, and now we're, right. in this, now we're so, seven, 700. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, anybody that got a mortgage then that's got a mortgage coming up for renewal. I mean, the only saving grace for customers that are coming up for mortgage renewals is the fact that they build up a whole bunch of equity in their property, assuming they haven't refinanced it in the last five years and that their balances aren't what somebody who's buying a house today. So is your payment going to go up? Of course it's going to go up, but you've got options then because you've got a lot of equity built in. And at that point you can reamortize it back up to 25 or 30 years and keep the payments fairly flat if you wanted to, based on the fact that you've got all this equity that's built up over the last five years. I still don't like the fact that you can't shop it around without requalifying. That's the problem. That's a big issue. Um, well, Again, the stress test came into play in October of 2017. So we've just exceeded that that area right there. So if you were just switching your mortgage over from one lender to another and you got your mortgage previous to the stress test, you still don't have to qualify under the stress test on the assumption that you're not going to refi it. But if you need to change the amortization, by the way, that's something maybe we'll talk about in the last segment if we have time about some of the changes that some of the lenders and default insurers are, are doing, some of the things that they're doing to help Canadians out, because it's not all bleak. You know, there, there are lenders out there that are allowing clients to increase their amortization if they're in hardship, but they have to prove that they're in hardship. And default insurers are also out there saying the same thing, that, you know, if, you're, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal or if you're in a variable rate mortgage and you're really, really struggling and you can prove it to us that you're struggling – then we are willing to make some changes for you to help you uh, continue to carry that mortgage. They, the last thing they want is for people to have to sell their homes. Hey, Frank, five years ago, so people are coming off a five, let's say a five-year fix. What were they coming off five years ago? Three uh, probably three percent, somewhere between three to three point four percent. Okay, so let, let's say that they've gone up about two percent since then, right? Yep. Yeah. So their house has probably doubled in that five years. Keep in mind in twenty sixteen. Oh, keep in mind in twenty sixteen, our average sale price was three seventy one. Yeah. At one point this year, we are at we are at seven hundred and forty. So it's it's almost doubled. And and there's some products that even more than doubled. Now you just got to worry about cash flow. Yes. Now you have to worry about cash flow. So yes, your 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 rate is going to be higher, but your place is also doubled in price. So you're you know you're you're, you're doing quite well. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. We'll be back with our final Costa Rican segment. <laughs> We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. We are back. All right, Frank, you're going to tell us some good news about some help that we can get from non-bank yeah, again, lenders. Reach out, 
Yeah, reach out to your lender. No, even a bank. Reach out to your lender. If you're struggling to make ends meet, please reach out to a lender and talk to them about, you know, getting some relief if you're in a variable rate mortgage. For any, like, whether you're in a variable or a fixed. Now, again, the fixed, if you're locked in at 1.89 and you're struggling, even then, you have an op- opportunity, especially if your mortgage was default insured, to be able to at least connect with the lender. And if the lender's not giving you any assurances, then you can reach out to, if you can get the bank to tell you whether they insured it through CMHC or Canada Guarantee or Sagen or Genworth, it was back then, find out who that is and then reach out to them because they are there to help you. They do not, again, especially the default insurers, they do not want Canadians to be forced to sell their home unless they have to. They will do everything they can in their power to assist Canadians. Most banks also have skip a payment options. Again, if you're struggling, make sure you do the skip a payment, but do it before you get in arrears. It's tougher to do if you're already in arrears. So you want to be able to take advantage of that. They'll ask you. You can do that uh, once a year, issue. right, Frank, and on those programs? Yeah you, yeah, you can do it once a year. And the other thing that I think that there's some, we're getting some momentum into it, but we'll see if, if the government allows it is to do something similar that we did during the pandemic, which is give Canadians some breaks where they can have three months or four months of no payments just to help them out a little bit. So, um, you know, there's options out there. You know, if you're stuck and you're really struggling, you've built some good equity in your home. So let's not give up that equity if you don't have to. Uh, And you shouldn't be stressed and not sleeping at nighttime because you made a decision to choose a variable, which was not a ridiculous option at that time. It was actually a smart option. Unfortunately, bad timing and inflation. And, you know, honestly, our governor, Bank of Canada, didn't do a good job. He should have started raising. He should have foresaw that inflation was coming. And instead of saying that Canadians don't have anything to worry about on interest rates until 2023, not said that because obviously everything we've gone through in 2022 is disappointing. Frank, Frank are you uh, are you getting any backlash from cu- customers who you put into variable rate mortgages? Because, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now, like you laugh, Steve, but I'll tell you right now, I, I get, I'm get i getting lots of flack from sellers who are like, why is my house not selling? And you're, they're hard on me right now. I'm wondering if, you know, so some of the mortgage brokers and bankers who put people in variables who at the time was doing the right thing, no one knew this was going to happen. Are you getting any customers calling you saying, what'd you do, Frank? You put me in a variable. Well, yeah, customers are disappointed, obviously. At the end of the day, you know, we, we give customers options of which one to choose. We give them facts based on the factual what's happened in previous years when you're in a variable and how variable historically goes up in very small increments on an annual basis. So, you know, three quarters of a point in a 12-month period is average, not 3.5% in a 12-month period, despite the fact that we hit record lows. But we hit those same record lows in 29, 2010, and somehow when we started to increase them again, they were done very gradually. And we saw little quarter percent increments here and there just to get the economy in place. We never, none of us, and again, you rely on, you know, you would think the governor of the Bank of Canada would have more information than we have access to. And when he comes out and tells Canadians not to worry about rates until 2023, well, then we take that at heart too and think that, well, he's he's the governor of Bank of Canada. He's but, the one that controls what happens. But but here's the here's the so. funny here's the funny thing is, you 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 had to be living under a bridge or under a rock to not know something like this was going to happen with the way the government was spending through COVID. Like this is a recession coming. It's a government induced recession. Is 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 the honest truth? I mean, yes, the rates are going up. 
but they're trying to curb inflation. But it's all government spending that's really caused this inflation. And it's, you know, it's, just, it's frustrating. How did whatever his name is, Tiff Macklin, not know this was coming? Well, because I think he had a little confidence in that the government would slow down on their spending, which they haven't. And that's the other big issue that's out there is that the spending really hasn't slowed. No. And because, again, I mean, it, I, I, again, I'm just speaking the way I feel. It hasn't impacted them personally. Yes. You know so, what? You know what, though, so, guys? I mean, we're, we're really jumping through hoops here. We're still looking at over time. Over time, variable could still be the right way to go. We're in a bit of a blip right now. I would take variable all day long. But, I mean, we still, like, if you look over 10 years. Yes. Or if you look between, you know, now and five years from now or 10 years, you could still be ahead. This is not the end of the world. Steve, anyone anyone right now, any mortgage broker or banker who's promoting a five-year fixed rate mortgage is dead wrong. You know, I'm not a mortgage guy, and I know that's dead wrong. You know, because rates have nowhere to to go but down so i and i know frank you're touting short term or variable uh because that's that's where the trend's going that's where it's going to go i mean we're at we're at the i wouldn't say we're at the peak because they're talking about more rate hikes but we're very close i would think because it can't go much higher than this well you say the bond market's coming down right frank yeah bond markets come down actually half a percentage point over the last three or four weeks and we've seen some of the well we haven't seen the major banks lower rates we've seen the non-bank lenders lower rates by about a 20 basis points. And again, I follow a lot of economists and their uh, their response is basically the banks are just keeping the extra spread right now because they realize that 2023 will likely be a slow year when it comes to mortgage revenue. And if they can increase their spread a little bit and and, uh, and gather some additional revenue, that's that's you know it's you know, you know who profit, we need in yeah. charge of the banks Maureen Maureen we, we that's we no need more Maureen needs to be <laughs> no in charge kidding. of those banks so Frank I mean no we're kidding. we're near the end here and I know you have probably a lot of vowels to wish happy birthday birthdays to um, but uh, a question for you what's on the agenda for the conference this afternoon is it uh, margarita making is it pina colada making sand out of your butt <laughs> which what's on what's on the Japanese docket Japanese food. Japanese, Japanese food, food is on the docket this afternoon. Sounds awesome, actually. Yeah, oh, I haven't see. decided for tonight yet. I haven't decided for tonight yet. Yeah. I hope you're learning a lot, so, bud. No, no. My team is coming in and speaking of, I mean, birthdays. Erin McDonnell, one of our agents, is celebrating her birthday this week, and she's coming in tomorrow. She's one of the agents coming in. I've got Tiet Lee, who celebrated her birthday this week, and now we'll go with the vowels. My beautiful niece, Bianca, celebrated her birthday yesterday. And my little nephew, 11 years old, Carmelo Jr., celebrating his birthday this coming week as well. Awesome. I have, uh, I have one birthday, and thanks for giving me the look there, Greg, and again, keep making sure I'd, I remembered. Uh, Josh Batley, who does the fills-in for the show with, uh, for me, he's going to be doing it in two weeks. His lovely wife, Angela, has her birthday today, so happy birthday, Angela. What, and, did, you, what did you get, Angela? Well... That's we can't talk about on air, Steve. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? You know what she deserves? She deserves a medal putting up with that guy, let me tell you. <laughs> hey Frank, just before we go, uh yeah. home capital acquire is, is being sold, right? Ed? Yeah. Is that a big deal? Well, it's a big deal. I mean, Stephen Smith is the primary uh purchaser and uh, of course he runs First National, so one of the non bank lenders that we do a lot of business with. Um uh, not going to be a big deal. Uh, at least everything we read, he'll maintain the home capital group. Uh, and again, uh, Home Trust is known for alternate lending. Uh, they've certainly dabbled in the prime space as well, but you know they had a uphill battle there because they're up against so many. But Home Trust is well known 
in our industry for helping clients that you know are going through some hardship. So they're con- you know they're considered an alternate lender, so that basically you just borrow from them for a short short amount of time, so that you can get your act together and then be able to transition to a, tra- uh, a traditional lender. So hopefully they'll be around. But I think it's good news because they've been up for sale for a while. Great. I just. Got a text from Josh. Apparently, he's listening. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. Well, en- en- enjoy your time in Costa Rica, Frank. It's Frank and at MortgageBrokersOttawa.com. Paul at PaulRushforth.com. Have a great week, gentlemen. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks, and please continue to support local businesses and charities. Are you supporting local in Costa Rica? <laughs> I am. <laughs> oh, what I have to say right now, I definitely can't say on the air. <laughs>